accomplishments were nice for my ego, my greatest validation came from the reactions I heard on the street. If I went to see a movie, it always seemed like when the film was over, a couple of people would come up to me and say, Hey, Russell, I just want to thank you for Do You. It really changed my life. The book seemed to resonate with so many folks from so many different walks of life. There was the young black kid who approached me at one of our hip-hop action network summits and told me that Do You had motivated him to go to college instead of staying on the streets and hustling like the rest of his friends. There was an older Russian Jewish socialite, someone that I'd see at society events around New York City, who came up to me at a party and told me that while she had suffered from a very dark depression for many years, Do You finally helped her find some light in her life. There was Brother Muhammad, who stood outside my office in a bow tie and overcoat every day for a week, waiting for a chance to pitch me a business idea. When we finally spoke, the first thing he did was pull out a worn copy of Do You and showed me all the passages that he'd underlined, concepts he said had helped him find the confidence to pursue his dreams. There was the heroin addict around the corner from my office who told me Do You was the transformational tool that helped him finally kick his habit for good and I could go on and on. The reaction to Do You was perhaps the most meaningful I've received for any project I've shared with the world. I personally run five philanthropic organizations in addition to supporting several organizations I'm not directly associated with. I've also spent years working to help put an end to senseless drug laws, the abuse of animals, and every kind of ism and phobia, efforts that I like to think have had a positive impact. But none of those efforts have been a greater gift than Do You's ability to lift people's consciousness by even just one degree. None of those efforts provided me with a comparable platform from which I could share the gift of consciousness and help people awaken to their true potential. Inspired to take full advantage of that platform, I decided to pin a follow-up to Do You that went deeper into the spiritual practices that have become more and more important to me as I've gotten older. I realize that given Do You's emphasis on spiritual principles, some of you might be surprised by the title of this book. So before we go any further, let me clarify why I decided to call it Super Rich. The journey that I'm promoting in this book, despite what the title might seem to suggest, is not one that's going to culminate in a mansion with a luxury car in the driveway. What I'm encouraging you to strive for, and really what I'm seeking myself, is something much greater. So rather than any state of material abundance, super rich actually refers to living in a state of consciousness where you're able to see the miracles of life unfolding in front of you all the time. It's a state where your connection to your higher self is so strong that you'll be able to recognize that there's no difference between being broke and being a millionaire, between a beautiful sunset and a terrible thunderstorm, between a newborn baby and the corpse of an old man. It's a state where you'll be able to appreciate that your entire experience as a human being is blissful and sublime. And as a result of achieving this state, you'll understand that you don't need money or toys to be happy. That's right. When you're super rich, you'll be able to see that happiness is actually a state of needing nothing. What I'm suggesting might sound radical, but it really ain't nothing new. In actuality, all the faiths have a term for this blissful state. For example, Christians call it Christ consciousness, yogis call it samadhi, and Buddhists call it nirvana. But let's be real. If I wrote a book with Christ consciousness or samadhi in the title, most of you would have a hard time taking it seriously. So I decided to go with Super Rich, following a conversation I had with my ex-wife, Kamora Lee. 
After I shared the concept for the book with her one day, her response was, ooh, you're trying to teach them how to be super rich. Some of you might be shaking your head right now and thinking, what's going on here? I thought this book was going to be about making some money. But if that's the reaction you're having, please, please bear with me. I understand what I'm promoting can be a difficult concept to grasp at first. So difficult, in fact, that even my own brother, Reverend Run, you might know him as the patriarch of MTV's Run's House as well as from Run DMC, who was a direct disciple of the famous prosperity preacher Reverend Ike, didn't accept it at first. I learned this when Run sauntered into my office one day while I was working on the book and plopped himself down on my couch. So what are you going to call this book, he asked me. Super rich, I responded, which is the state of needing nothing. What, he asked skeptically. People don't want to hear that being super rich means needing nothing when they're trying to keep up with their car notes and pay their mortgage or find a new job. When someone spends $25 for a